2: Welcome to Speed City with John Massingale and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City.
0: Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. That's John Massingale. I am sitting all by myself in the studio in Austin. Jonathan Green is still down in New Zealand, and he is in, be- oh, no. in, between, oh, had... in between events, and they don't have internet. He's actually driving in an RV, and they don't have quite the uh, infrastructure that we have here, you know, with all the different uh, ways to get internet while you're mobile. They do not have all that, so Jonathan's not joining us, and Bob you Marcia, Can You hear me now. Yeah. Good. And I did not bug Mr. Varsha this week. I am I I do have some good news about Bob and Chris and the whole team, and we'll talk about that uh, here later in the show. But we're going to talk. We have a great show tonight, man. I've got some fantastic interviews that I have done over the last day or two, and really excited. Number one, we got Elio Castroneves from Daytona that I did probably about an hour after. They finished the race and won the overall winning team. So fantastic to have him! He was really fun. He's a he's a cool guy. And also, I sat down with speaking of Chris with Chris Medland, and we talked a lot about Formula One, mostly about the FIA Formula One controversy. But we touched on several other things. So um, we're going to talk. We're going to play that here in a bit. Me and Chris sat down, and then also live later in the show. Speaking of New Zealand, one of the young drivers, the young driver from Austin, is already made it to one of the events and to the next event, and he is going to join us live, Ryan Sheehan. He's a young, I think he's 18 now, 17 or 18. From, he's from Austin here, and he's going to join us, to talk about the, the Toyota Racing Series, which, as you guys know, is now called the uh, Formula Oceana because it's one of the Formula Regionals like the Formula Regional, the FR Americas here in the United States. And so we're going to talk to Ryan. But I want to start with the Rolex, because I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was great. In fact, I'm going to fire up the YouTube and look for some comments. If you guys have anything, feel free to jump in on YouTube. Uh, I'm not watching Facebook very close tonight, but I'm watching YouTube, so jump in if you've got anything. But the uh, the Rolex I thought was great. I I watched, during the day yesterday, I watched probably about nine or ten hours of it. And then I actually had a pretty normal night's sleep. I, I kind of woke up a couple times checking stuff. And then I watched most, you know, starting from about 8 a.m. this morning on. So uh, I got to see a good bit of it. But it was great, man. They t- kept talking about this huge record crowd. I know that's. I mean, I always think, how do they measure that? Because it goes back, What's this is the 61st running. I don't know if they have that good of records. But still, it was cool to see a huge crowd. And uh, they had great weather. Remember, last year it was freezing. And I know because my son was there last year, he was there this year too. But, um, but I, I wondered, how, how did you guys watch it? Because I started watching it on – and Kevin Kelly jumped in on YouTube and says the Rolex was awesome – he and I were actually chatting during the race because I was watching it. My wife and I were watching it on NBC or actually on Peacock. And I was like, wow, that was a lot of commercials to start with. I wonder if that's going to change. And, man, I watched a good bit of it on uh, on NBC and Peacock. But I turned on uh, IMSA radio for quite a bit of it because, there was man, it just seemed like so many commercials. But anyway... Um, I just wondered how you guys watched it. Anybody do a VPN? I actually, I didn't have a VPN installed because I'd reinstalled Windows not too long ago. And I, uh, so I tried to install a VPN and sure enough, I got a virus. So I had to start over and completely reinstall Windows again. (laughs) So so I, I did not get to do the VPN thing where you didn't get any commercials. So David Lawrence chimed in on YouTube and says, Just got home from a Daytona, the record crowd. I believe it. Garage was packed before the grid, and yes, the race lived up to the hype. The hype. Oh, that was, that was Andy P. That was – oh, no, wait. Sorry, that was David Lawrence. Andy P jumped in right after that while wow, I was reading that, and it popped in. It says, Overall, a great Rolex 24. You got a lot of what you wanted. Good to see reliability and a grandstand finish. You know, that, there's going to be a ton to talk about because I want to start with GTP because – There was all this discussion about potential unreliability because of the new hybrid powertrain that, you know, we're starting with something that's, you know, essentially a brand new power unit and we didn't know what to expect. I mean, there were people saying, oh, LMP two cars are gonna win overall, but clearly they got this figured out because the Acura was insanely fast, dominant. I mean, they had they were they had so much pit stop time. And still just dominated it, and Cadillac looked great. What was there only one car? I think there was only one Porsche that did not in the GTP class that did not finish. so the, the GTP uh, class was fantastic. and so and I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited about the fact that they're running this this technology. I feel like it's kind of a baby step, but what do I know? I'm not under the hood of these things. I know that a lot of the discussion was talking about the the complexity, uh, the how hard it was to get used to all this, and but it was fun because it was great. They, they were so reliable. It was fun to fun to watch. Um, a couple of comments here. Brian Dow says, first time watching the role, I'm like, oh, that's cool, Brian." And the commercials were a bit much, even for somebody who's used to it. Honestly, I swear I felt like it was the most commercials I've watched on any show. So. Uh, (laughs) my producer's having a good time uh andy p says i use my antivirus vpn peacock was awful in terms of commercials took about 45 minutes to go in but once i did no issues hey andy so i want to ask you did if you watched it on vpn was that feed was it commercial free and did they use the uh imsa radio john and all those guys for the audio for that that's what i was assuming i was going to get if i could have ever gotten it logged in and And gotten messed, but I got messed up. But I was just wondering if that's how it worked. Was it, was it the IMSA radio audio over the, uh, over the video, and did they have any breaks at all? But, uh, but going back to the race itself, GTP class was great. And in fact, I want to play this fairly short interview with Elio Castroneves because, like I said, I caught up with him not long after those guys finished, and he was a blast. Uh, hey, I better put it. on mine.
3: There we go. Now we
0: <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. Castro Neves, fantastic to have you on the show. Congratulations. You must feel like a million dollars right now.
3: I do. I, I feel incredible. I feel that I just want a Rolex, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely amazing what this team is be able to accomplish um my teammates i can't thank enough my teammates they drove phenomenal and um, uh, i'm a small piece of the of the puzzle in this uh, in this incredible result and um it, it was it was absolutely incredible
0: man what a way to start this season but the new hybrid era the gtp cars you got that's a piece of history that is fantastic isn't it Absolutely. Um, be part of it. As something new.
3: The technology that we have these days, I guarantee the Acura cars in the future are going to end up having all the system that we are using right now. And that's why this uh, this incredible era is uh, is new. And uh, I feel, yeah, it was absolutely a, a pleasure to be working in the beginning of this process and now continue. So. Thank enough um, Acura for uh, giving us an incredible car and we knew the car was fast, we're just concerned about li- uh, reliability and look what happened. I
0: mean they, they built an incredible machine. I, I know I was thinking about the complexity of all this technology and, and and it really came off great for the whole for every team almost but, but you guys look so solid and so dominant but I, I have to say three in a row I mean you that's a pretty short list of three consecutive in a row
3: i know right I, I i that's why i got so emotional uh towards the end because i'm like oh my god this is actually incredible uh and 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 not only <laughs> yes the fact that we did didn't know but this is a 24-hour race anything can happen right so it's such a such a difficult uh task to do it and uh wow and i'm just um just so proud of uh this team i'm proud to be part of this team and an incredible group of people so yeah, good props to uh, Mike to be able to pick not only the drivers but also the uh, entire uh, engineers,
0: uh, people, mechanics. I mean,
3: well done. It, it was absolutely a credit to all of them.
0: Well, you have to. It's a fantastic team, but Elio, you you can't diminish your role in what you've done. This, you know, you with your. Background and your history, your talent, and you brought a lot to this team, and a lot of intangibles too that that you bring to a team like this.
3: You know, it's um, uh, it's not only drive a car. You got there was so many other um, ways for you to um, uh, make make people believe, right? And um, oh, I believe myself, no question. And I feel now that this team, there was not even a chance for them to doubt themselves. Now it's uh, it's just a conquer that what they can do, they can do wonders. And, and again, I said, this is just the beginning. It's not a beginning anymore. We're already uh, in a mission and, and I, I, I guarantee these teams, it will do wonders uh, uh, in the future.
0: Well, I know you got a lot of interviews to do. Just finally, I got to ask you about, we're talking about the complexity of the hybrid and all the software and mechanical hardware. What about getting used to driving that and all the different things you have to do? Is that, was that kind of crazy? i'm glad you asked this question i felt
3: like uh and i probably a lot of dads these days uh when you know trying to fix the tv you ask to your uh a teenager uh, daughter or son whatever hey can you help me out with this or internet so that's how i was asking a lot of calling what they, they even start the race they're like mold x you know and i'm like what is that mode? And they never said about it i mean it was uh, the entire race um uh, I'm, I'm the probably a good old boy here and uh just driving and and make the lines perfect but you have so much tools in the car with the with the technology you're talking about the hybrid you're talking about the system in the car the steering wheel if you see it it's like a spaceship you have so many buttons that plus on top of that you drive in the car passing people and all over the place so yeah i i'm believe it or not i'm still learning but that, what a way to go uh, learning and winning. That's the
0: best way. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on Speed City. And uh, have a great rest and, and celebration both. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, he's uh, I've interviewed uh, Elio a couple of times, and he is just such an authentic, nice guy. I love it. I like what David uh, Lawrence said on YouTube. He says, uh, Elio is in a resurgence mode. What a last three or four years he has had. Uh, also, he said two things. Elliott with three straight overall Rolex wins, joining Peter Gregg. Yeah, that was like 1976 because they were consecutive. They were consecutive wins is what made that. And uh, David said he spoke with an MS uh, Michael Shank Racing team member outside Victory Lane. They were both surprised at how reliable the car was. Did you guys hear in the press conference them talking about a gearbox problem with only like uh, a couple hundred laps in, and they were just going to let it play out and let the car explode or whatever because they weren't sure what was going on i'd i'd never that surprised me so i think that was some some new news but all right guys let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about the rolex and then we'll get into some formula one you listen to your sunday night with speed city back after this
4: Hello, to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner, This is Speed City.
0: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right. Before we get back into the racing, did you guys see Jay Leno had a motorcycle wreck? Man, he is at a, 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 on a bad run of it. Apparently, he uh, he went through. He was driving like a 1940. Where's this article I found on a car and driver? It was a 1940 Indian. And if you guys watch his Jay Leno's Garage, I watch it pretty regular. But apparently he was driving that, riding that, and he went through a parking lot and there was a, uh, like a cable or a wire or something strung across it that he didn't see to the last minute and knocked him off. And apparently, you know, fractured a bunch of like his kneecaps and cracked some ribs. I was like, oh my gosh. And it, apparently he didn't talk about it when it immediately happened. It apparently happened not long after he got back. From the hospital, from getting burned. So, hi, this is Jay Leno from JayLeno'sGarage.com, <laughs> and you're listening to Speed City. Yeah, yeah, he, that was about ten years ago when he did that little recording. But man, he uh, he's had a rough take of it. But you know what? I love it. He is 72 years old, and screw it, he's still running his motorcycle, right? So, hope he gets better soon, though. But I, I I saw some video. It looks like he's doing okay. But but let's get back into some more uh, Rolex because. What about the photo finish in LP2? Casey, please find that photo because it is an awesome photo. What was it? Maybe he's gonna bring that photo up, but I think it was maybe six feet at the finish line. So it was awesome to see that. And uh and I mean you just don't see that is such a uh that is such a, a an incredibly close finish. Sorry, I was just reading some of these comments here. Uh, Kevin Kelly says, a book. Every bone in his body is why I sold his bike." Yeah, I—that's I, why I have not had a motorcycle. Honestly, I haven't had ones. I had a dirt bike as a kid, but but yeah, that photo finish, unbelievable. And and what about the the way it happened? We you could just see it building and building, and when he came around and got in the drag and. And came out and I thought, is he gonna make it? And I don't know if you guys could see, but I think I and if it was my imagination, but I swear I could see that, that the LMP two cars were down on power. It looks like they were really pushing harder to get through that wind. I don't know. Am I crazy? Is that just me or what? But um but yeah, that was that was really exciting to see that that LMP two car win like that. So um and I know that the uh I know the team was ecstatic about that. I don't know if you guys saw them after the race, but but yeah, that was what? 0.016 of a second after 24 hours. Think about that, guys. They race for 24 hours and they win by six feet. That is crazy. But, you know, there's been the discussions about LMP two, LMP3, what's gonna happen. Uh hopefully that will put some silence to some of the questions about the future of LMP2. So uh, what else? There's some other good stories. 13th Rolex for Cooper McNeil and goes out a winner. He was a little bit emotional. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, let's see. The um, the GTD and GTD Pro were crazy competitive with each other because, you as you saw, a GTD car won. And it, and of course, the cars themselves are basically the same, if not actually exactly, I shouldn't say basically, I think they are exactly the same. So um, so it's just a matter of the drivers. And for example, my son is a mechanic on the McLaren team, the only McLaren in the entire, uh, entire Rolex this year. And they have a gentleman driver. Um, and in fact, they did great, by the way, guys, I don't know if you saw it. But they finished on the podium, so I was pretty ecstatic, and so was his mom. We were both watching very carefully. That was really fun. I think I got a photo of their team in there, Casey. If you want to throw that up, but but um, David Lawrence says, "Give P two more power." Yep, I think that's what I was, exactly what I was seeing, David. Is that we were not seeing the power that they've had in the past. Another another little note that I put in there: the GTP. On the hybrids, did you guys see, they showed it a bunch, I'm sure you did, where they uh, were swapping a battery in one of the cars, and they talked about the price of that battery, $225,000, and you thought your Tesla battery was expensive to replace, that was pretty crazy. But I thought it was interesting the way they have to install it up through the bottom. I mean, I know that these guys can work miracles, but um, I guess there's really no quick way to install a battery in a car like that, but apparently they had to do one, so... I also wrote down this other good note about, did you guys see the interview with GM's Mark Royce, or Reese can I to say that, um, where he talked about the Cadillac five and a half liter V eight, and that it was not a flat plane crank. I thought it was basically the same as the Corvette motor, and uh, but he said it's not a flat plane crank. So I, you know, he didn't go into any details, so I don't know exactly. I don't know if anybody knows any more details. Uh, thanks, Andy P. He says, "Car number seventy with a podium. Congratulations, yeah, you too, Bill. That that you guys got to know that's pretty exciting to to see my son moving up, and he's doing really well with those guys. And uh, I'm really excited to to watch him do that. But yeah, that was interesting about the battery, and um, and thinking that that was so expensive and how they put that in. Uh, did you guys see the twenty five BMW spin?" under the pace car, under acceleration. I thought that was interesting, considering that they have traction control. A couple other notes here. Did anybody see this? How many cars finished at the end? Because I looked up with about 40 minutes to go, and there were 51 cars. I wrote this note down, but I forgot to check and see how many finished. But 51 cars finished, and of course, of the nine GTPs that we were so worried about. Only one didn't finish. So, again, really, uh, really good reliability there. Uh, let's see. What about the, um, what about on, uh, they, were, they were talking about that low energy on the GTPs. I don't I didn't even see what that was. And then also the control alt delete to reboot the cars. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we've all done that. Actually, I have done that on my road cars. I've had mine's gone into limp mode and I've had to do that. So I'm sure we've all experienced something similar. Andy P says on YouTube, the way the GTP launches out of the box is amazing. I completely agree. Full electric and then the ice kicks on. Hey, did we see a car? Did we see that Porsche limp back under full electric? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. David Lawrence says he thinks 48 finished the race. Uh, that that's that would make sense considering we were down to 51 with 40 minutes to go. Uh, Kevin Kelly talked about Marshall Pruitt's videos on uh, on YouTube, which were really great. I talked about those last week, and he talked about the Cadillac crank versus the Corvette. But but guys, I want to I want to move into Formula One now because I'm looking at the clock and I'm behind. I, I want to play this. This uh, segment that Chris and I recorded, we recorded this Friday morning and we talked about Formula One and primarily started off talking about the um, the FIA versus Formula One and how Mohammed bin Salim is is trashing the uh, the value of Formula One on Twitter. So uh, let's play this with Chris. It's a few minutes, so uh, it's not live for this 15, 20 minutes here, but we'll be back live after this. Hey, Chris Medlin, my friend. Haven't seen you in a while. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, mate. How are you? I am great, and uh, the good news is we get to hang out for a few minutes and talk some Formula One. The bad news is neither one of us are in Florida. What's up with that?
4: Yeah, no, it sucks. I wasn't going to be at Daytona, but uh, some guy called Kevin Magnuson decided to uh, have surgery on his hands, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, the fact <laughs> that he wasn't there meant uh, kind of a moot point for me to be there, but... Uh, I still get my U.S. fix next week, uh, heading over for the Red Bull event in New York. So that'll be fun.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I have a much smaller excuse because Florida is only about a two-hour flight for me. But I just could not make it work. So uh, I- I'm going to be watching it, though. So it'll be fun to watch the Rolex.
4: Oh, it's an epic race, uh, I guess. By the time people are hearing this, uh, it's probably all wrapped up. But hopefully it was, uh, hopefully it was as good as we're giving it billy
0: exactly hopefully it will be but, but let's talk some formula 1 chris cuz i i uh, buzzed you because this craziness between uh, FIA Mohammed bin Salim and formula 1 and the the uh, war of words that have been fired across actually pretty formally now with a letter from the FIA from the formula 1 to the FIA this has gotten really interesting uh, what what's your take on all of this
4: yeah It started off, I think, a bit petty, Uh, all a bit kind of back and forth was uh, on matters that weren't all that uh, important or it's not such a big deal when the FIA leak the calendar for 2023 a bit early or release it earlier. I guess it's not a leak, is it? Uh, But they were doing things that were maybe annoying Formula One. Uh, but not uh, a huge issue, and vice versa. I don't think uh, everything Formula 1 did was to keep the FIA happy. But then for Ben Solian to wade in with his view of what F1 could be worth uh, and whether he thought that a $20 billion valuation uh, from a report in Bloomberg was overinflated or not, and and to say he thought it was massively overinflated and any potential buyer should... um, be careful around that i mean that could influence the share price so that's obviously going to really annoy formula one uh, it also could cross a lot of lines in terms of legislation and regulatory um kind of law because uh if he's deemed to have uh inside knowledge of that company which you you could expect he might well have as the president of the fia uh, knowledge of formula one in the way it works then um yeah that that could break a lot of those laws so it was a a proper warning that hang on like you can give your opinion on lots of things we might not be happy about a lot of the stuff you say or do but some of it we've just got to kind of suck up this this crosses a line so yeah to get an actual legal letter I think it was the first time that Formula One went from he's being difficult or annoying on certain topics to all this could be damaging for us uh, which yeah kind of changes the whole dynamic around uh, the relationship between the two.
0: Yeah. You talk about affecting the stock price and that's when you're going to get everybody's attention. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I totally understand F1's viewpoint on this. And and I like the phrase that they apparently used. And, and I guess Sky Sports was the one that really started breaking all this. But they said the F1 has the exclusive rights to exploit the commercial rights in the FIA Formula One World Championship. And that's under a hundred year deal. So, it's almost like you don't really have any say in this. And here you are, you know, saying, expressing your opinion on the value and and potentially affecting the stock price. I, I mean, I, I totally get F1's viewpoint here.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's also um, kind of legal aspects that the FIA have to um, adhere to based on EU legislation, which is what basically created... situation where if the fia had to give the commercial rights to formula one or as in split them uh because they were saying you can't be the regulator and the commercial rights holder there's kind of a conflict of interest there so that means that they they have to abide by certain rules um and as much as technically the fia owns formula one and has leased the commercial rights to um to liberty media and formula one itself um it it doesn't have the power um, or certainly doesn't appear to have the power. There was some interesting wording in some of the documentation when Liberty Media purchased F1 about needing the FIA's approval or waiting on it or, or certain topics it needed or wanted to run past the FIA uh, and have rubber stamped. And then in this legal letter, it suggests that there's none of that. So where the truth lies there, I'm not completely certain. Uh, and there's a chance that maybe Formula One was being very firm with its letter to the FIA, but you know, in a sense, actually, it couldn't do a huge amount about it, um, but it just shows how upset and annoyed they were because the letter itself as well was undersigned by both Formula One's uh, head of legal, but also Liberty Media's. So it was, it was a two-pronged kind of response to say, look, you've crossed the line here. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and I did read the same thing. So it's a little murky there, isn't it, on exactly what role everybody has considering the sale or, uh, you know the exchange of the of the rights there. So and you know the first thing that comes when I first started hearing this, of course I started thinking about live golf and all that because that that fund, I mean, those guys, I I, I was joking around um with somebody, I said they're playing with play money because they just you know they have so much money. It it you know if they were to overpay if it if it really were only worth 15 billion and they're gonna pay 20, it wouldn't matter to them. So they can just throw money around like that. But uh, but it also goes back to, if you think about Liberty Media, John Malone is an investor. He's a buyer and seller of assets, right? So if he paid $4.4 billion back in 2017, or maybe late 16, depending on when that actually took place, if somebody offers him multiples of what he paid, you know, as an investor, you go, he might just sell it. And that's kind of scary to me
4: yeah it's it's quite interesting because um so if, if we haven't made it clear it was the saudi arabia's uh, public investment fund that was linked with uh, a potential bid for all of formula one's commercial rights uh, and according to the bloomberg article valued it at 20 billion dollars um, or that's kind of where they were looking at um, i think it actually said in excess of 20 billion but uh, as i understand it from formula one's point of view that was never on the table that there was discussions about potential investment um Into the company uh, and maybe a, a partnership or sponsorship deals, but there wasn't, you know, takeover or purchase never really went anywhere or, or was seriously uh, entertained. Liberty were like, we're not, we're not open for selling. So I think that was also another reason why it was strange that Ben came out three days after this report came out. He had the whole weekend to kind of think about it uh, to make a comment. But you are right that Liberty will be wondering at which point is the right time to sell if they're going to sell because you want to uh, you know, obviously sell at the point that you're going to get the most return but Formula One has been growing and continues to grow and it's not long out of the pandemic where revenues took a hit but you're right I I, I saw some um, calculations that essentially um, revenues and pretty much or the assets value of the assets are pretty much trebled since Liberty took over so um, whether that's accurate or not that does start to move towards those ballpark figures that you were talking about 15 to 20 billion dollars of a, a takeover uh and you're also if you're Liberty you're going to entertain people talking about it because then it means anyone who does want to buy it in future knows kind of the figures that are out there um you, you're pushing the price up in that sense so um I'm I'm not convinced that it wasn't um a story that the wasn't denied if that makes sense from bloomberg mm-hmm. so that that figure was uh circulated uh because that doesn't hurt liberty but what ben sulliam said could uh and that's why uh there was the frustration at that but uh it for anyone kind of thinking oh is f1 about to be sold i don't get that impression at all i don't think you know Li- the, the response from liberty was we're not interested in selling i think they think they could uh continue to grow it a lot more they're invested in things like vegas um there's there's a lot of positive momentum around F1 at the moment. It's when that momentum slows that I think they'll start to wonder if it's the right time to cash in.
0: Yeah, uh, there to me, there's at least a little bit of reason for concern to sell because anytime you've got an asset that's on the way up, you know, they always say you want to sell when business is good instead mm. of you know, in a fire sale. So I, I'm not even insinuating. I know nothing. I'm just saying that it it just, you know, it wouldn't be an absurd thing for them to to take an investment if they could get four or five times the multiple to sell it.
4: <laughs> right? You're also at that point, yeah, you're thinking you're you're selling on a projection. If you're saying, you know, what One yeah. is growing and, and going in a good direction, then you can say to a potential buyer, Well, look how big it could become. That's why we're going to charge you this for it or want to sell it at this price. But there's no guarantee it actually gets there. Um and that would be you know that that's that is smart business but i i just don't get the impression that that's where they're at right now
0: you know one thing that came to my mind also is when liberty bought the the series how much angst there was from the folks in the uk that this sport was going to get americanized and and now i'm sitting here having those exact same feelings about what could happen so yeah but uh, now i know what you guys were talking about
4: <laughs> well I, to be fair on my point of view i was really excited about it um <laughs> does help writing for racers so you've got if you're talking for american outlets it was kind of cool to see but also f1 was just in desperate need of this kind of overhaul in terms of uh, a media mind on it and uh how could it reach more people because it's such an incredible sport but not enough people were getting into it and you know they've done a really good job on that front so far so um I think Liberty probably have taken some confidence as well from the way things have gone, certainly since the pandemic, you know, using that and actually um, kind of springboarding forward with a a very um, lucrative sport that they now own. I think that's been very impressive but will give them the confidence that they can continue to do it which is again I think another reason why um maybe they're not quite at the point of of wanting to sell but uh, it it's I'm sure there is plenty of interest I'm sure there's other companies and investment funds that are going mm, if it was available we we'd want to talk about that
0: yeah you know it's funny i think back uh in previous shows i said you know this netflix deal has been worth billions and i and you know Clearly, that was a, a an obvious statement, but now it, it's you know there's a little bit of, uh, uh of not proof, but a little bit of evidence that it truly was worth billions because you can, you can put most of this value increase on that Netflix series of Drive to Survive. So, uh, yeah, that that was a a phenomenal thing, and we all know that. But there, here's, here's some black and white. But hey, speaking of that, the Netflix series is coming up soon, uh, Chris. Do you think you're gonna you're gonna make the make the cut, buddy?
4: I know that we make the cut. Uh, I found out the other day, actually. I was having a chat with with Haas, and uh, apparently, one of the early episodes is the Saudi Arabia, uh, speaking of, um, ep- or incident with Gunther when I misheard what he said he would do to the paddock um, while we were live on air post race. So, Netflix were there to capture that, and apparently, that that's in the show. So, uh, I haven't seen it myself yet. I'll only see it the when tea. it comes out, I, but uh, been, it'll be cool I... to see.
0: I assume you would have let me know, buddy, over a uh, text if, if you'd heard about that. That's really cool, man.
4: It ha- was about two or three days ago I found out. So I was okay. like, uh, until I see it for myself as well, I always kind of, well, yeah, uh, you wonder. That, you know, Because they haven't finally signed off. I was, I was talking to someone from Formula One the other day, and uh, it, the final episode is still getting signed off now. Um, they get final approval um, very close to the point that it gets released. So I think we're talking about four weeks. Uh, until the release date so um yeah as as i'm far as i'm aware uh it was approved in that episode so that'll be uh, that'll be funny to watch because i think you'll just see some good facial expressions that explain um a why i had to go back to gunther to ask what was actually said uh but b then maybe backs up his feeling that he, he clearly hadn't said it um so uh yeah it's gonna be that's gonna be a fun watch i'm looking forward to that
0: yeah I, it's funny i was talking to my son last night and he and i said ah, i bet we don't make it and he goes are you kidding uh, that that's a huge hilarious thing you know it'll make it i said oh ah, okay well we'll see we'll see but, uh, i mean it's a bit of luck of
4: the draw because um we had some great stuff actually on the live shows didn't we during the whole season but if the cameras aren't around then it's it's not going to be on there um whereas yeah. if it had been you know on a tv broadcast so they can they can actually take that footage if they really wanted so uh yeah kind of we were a bit fortunate i guess that uh yeah netflix were around at that point when we did that interview and uh and they got it so yeah that'd be uh that'd be cool to cool to watch back
0: well i know i said just gonna have you for a few minutes but before we go real quick uh, mohammed bin salim was was also tweeting about andretti and all of that and uh it's been a little bit quiet on the andretti front lately which i you know i i expect that to be right now have you heard anything uh no nothing nothing
4: further on that i did um run just to do a self plug a uh an interview feature with uh, Christian Horner a few days ago at ZomRacer.com where I did ask him about Andretti and kind of got the the proper team's perspective on it. It was, it was good. It was very honest. Um, and when Michael says it's all about money, he's completely right. And Christian says the same thing. But he also makes it very clear. It's like, it's not about Andretti. It's like Andretti and GM and Cadillac are huge brands that absolutely would be welcome in F1 and should be in F1. It's just about the way we go about doing that. So uh, it's kind of saying that, if you've got uh, these brands trying to come in as a new team, that could dilute a fund. We're not so happy. If we can get those t- those brands to come in by taking over another team, perfect. Um, but if if they're not going to be able to uh, take over another team and they and they want an entry, then essentially the tipping point isn't where the Concord agreement currently says. That's why teams aren't happy. Uh, so yeah, it was just it was a good explanation of why teams are uh, pushing back on a new team coming in. Uh, why right now they're not happy at the terms from a new team perspective but that it has nothing to do with it being andretti gm cadillac um that those are brands that they do want to see and, and think could well happen so um yeah it was i i what i liked is that you know christian was pretty honest with it. it you know if anyone who thinks it's about money like absolutely is yes but it, he's like it's not a personal thing or or anything the, the rhetoric that andretti isn't wanted uh and that people don't want this american team he's like he says that's completely false uh it'd be great to have so um yeah it'll be interesting to see because i think it's fair i saw a, a reply on twitter to when i put the story up where someone said yeah it's it's you know that's a good explanation and fair points from his side but saying that they need to pay more than the 200 million dollar anti-dilution fee that's currently in the concord agreement surely is moving the goalposts isn't it and and i'm like yeah that's true you can you can accuse them of that, yeah. but with the quotes that are there and, and the points that Horner makes, you can also understand why they're, they're in that position. And I think um, if Andretti was an existing team on the grid, in the same way that you know, when Haas came in, they had to get approvals, um, and now they're there, when you look at what it could do in terms of potentially costing you a bit of money to let another team come in and compete against you and potentially take even more money from you if they beat you, um, just as a business decision, you can see why... Uh, they're they're wary and they're and they're going to push to make sure that they're protected if they do allow it to happen.
0: Yeah, I I completely get it. They're not since they can't change that two hundred million, they need to be completely selective on who they're going to let in, and I don't blame them. And I've also seen some apologetic comments from Michael Andretti himself, saying maybe we did. Um, I can't remember. I just saw them yesterday. Just basically saying. Maybe we were pushing a little too hard and you got to, you know, you have to understand it's exactly what we're saying about the value of of the sport. It's skyrocketed. We all know that $200 million is way undervalued now that the anti-dilution fee. So uh, I, I don't blame anybody in Formula One for being selective and let's get it right. It's pretty compelling with Andretti GM Cadillac. So, if they if they for some reason somebody else beats them to it i think we're going to be pretty excited about whoever that is too but i i, I you know my guess is it might be both you know if if there's somebody better then you might get both because what they say we can have up to 13 teams so I think it's 12 at the moment is what's written. 12 currently? Uh, I, okay. I think so. Um, or, the,
4: you know, for two extra at this point um, from what teams have been saying. But also there's the the main argument is they're saying there's a new Concord agreement needs agreeing in 2025 or by the end of 2025, which means they're probably going to start those talks in 2024, uh, which means that's next year. So they could pull that forward a bit. And I think that's what the teams and F1 want to do as well is kind of go, okay, like what are we not happy about? Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you were picking that up, but the dog was uh was chewing on the toy and it's squeaking.
0: No, I I didn't hear the dog. I did uh tell Jess it was really rude to walk through the show and not even say hi. But I didn't hear the yeah, dog. Yeah, well, because I've got I've got
4: headphones on, so she couldn't hear anything. She'd bring me my lunch, it was great. Um yeah, so apologies for the carnage that's happening over here on the side of the pond. But uh yeah, the um the the teams in F1 are kind of going, okay, then maybe we find out what's the figure that we think is right for a franchise in a healthy Formula One. Um, or do we remove a figure altogether and say, we, we will discuss the terms with any new team and don't put it in writing because circumstances can change. If, for example, say they make it 600 million now. Uh, if they say that's what it's now worth. Well, it was worth 200 million at the time they put it in last time. It could be worth a billion by the time a new team yeah. wants to come in, or it could go the other way. And you yeah. know, Formula One could start to decline and, and suddenly you can't expect to want to pay 600 million. All of that, I think I think it's actually silly to have that firm fee in there and and give everyone that target. But at the same time, it, it boosted the value of every team that exists. So um, it's it's a complex situation. I do. I do understand that and uh, that Andretti won in because the, the sport is going places. It's growing. Uh, there's there's value in it for them if they can get in um, and they can add value to the sport, too. So it everybody wants something because it's trying to find if there's a if there's a way of just balancing it all together and uh, that's that's tricky to do but um I, I'm, I'm hopeful that this will continue to allow brands to come into the sport I, I feel like there's probably a team or two that still could take additional investment or you know potentially be taken over uh Williams is the one that springs to mind if you think at Dalton and what they paid and what they could make now yeah. um that's that's one but um yeah, I feel like there's maybe a couple that that could still be open to those sorts of talks. Beyond that, I think it, I think if someone did take them over uh, and big brands had come in, anyone else would essentially need to be a new team. So uh, F1 needs to think long and hard about how it wants to make that process work. Uh, and maybe they've been caught out now that Andretti have put together something so good, so compelling that they're kind of like, oh crikey, yeah, okay, what's what's the number, and we say yes to it. Um, and and we may we may still get there. I'm not I'm not thinking the door's fully closed.
0: Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. My my having Andretti Cadillac would be an absolute dream for me. I think that, that I could not be more excited about any any combination there. So, well, Chris, hey, uh, what are we? Five weeks from the phone one season, where we can get started and and uh, do it all again, man. I'm a, I'm fired up about it
4: yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be exciting it's um it's gonna come around quick actually i'm sitting yeah. here and it's like late january and still trying to sort things and plan logistics and then you realize that yeah this this time uh, as i speak to you this time next week we'll have had the the red bull launch um which will be exciting and then that will you know kick off launch season hasa uh unveiling in probably about 48 hours time from this going out so yeah um Yeah, everything's going to start rolling pretty quickly, and from then it's just from one thing to another. It's car launch after car launch after event testing, first race. So uh, I'm quite excited about the way they've done that to have testing just a week before the first race uh, again, and and keep it sort of tight. Means there's going to be a lot of interest, but that interest will still be peaked uh, when we when we have lights out in Bahrain. So um, yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, one of those changes that came from the pandemic. Yeah, Chris Medlin, thanks, buddy, and uh, we will be talking to you soon. Good to see your face. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, good to speak to everyone. See ya. Yep. Kevin Kelly, you're right. Let's face it. Chris is just brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. David Lawrence brought up something really great I didn't get a chance to talk about. And that is the Garage 56 Le Mans Camaro. How and the driver. Oh my gosh, the the lineup for that Jimmy Johnson. And that, that is going to be so exciting. I, I'm loving that news story. Super excited about that. But all right, we got to get a break in because we have a young driver on the phone who's going to join us in just a moment live from New Zealand. You're listening to Sunday Night with Speed City. Back after this.
1: If you want to know where the path to Formula One in Indy begins, it's three simple letters. V-R-D. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young, single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 U.S. Championship, they also have programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the Road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. To join the team, drop them a DM on Instagram at velocity underscore RD. Hi, this is Carl Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City.
0: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to your Sunday night with Speed City. John Massagill sitting in the studio in Austin, Texas. But on the line over Zoom, we have another Austinite, but he is far, far from home. He is down in New Zealand. We have a young American race driver racing in the Toyota Racing Series, the Formula Oceania. Formula Regionals, Ryan Sheehan. Ryan, welcome back to the show, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. You look awfully studious with the glasses on.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's a new edition, new edition this year. Um, you know, my gene, my family jeans finally caught up to me, <laughs> and uh, yeah, had to had to get the glasses.
0: Well, I, this is such an experience. I, I love the fact that we're getting to check in with you live down in New Zealand. So tell us where you are exactly right now.
5: Uh, right now, I am in Taupo, which is it's where our last round is. But it's, um, it's on the way to Hampton Downs, where the New Zealand Grand Prix is, which we are racing in next weekend.
0: Well, all right. So let's talk about the racing. Uh, you've had ups. You've had downs. You've had some good recent highs. Tell us where you are, and, and you know where you are in the standings right now, and, and what's been going on recently.
5: Yeah, I think we just jumped to P nine after the last round, uh, but yeah, two podiums in in the last two weekends, um, nice. a second and a third, and so now we're just looking for you know getting on that that top step, um, that last last of three. So, yeah. Um, you know first time in this car um you know moving up to formula regional um from F4 so it's hard not to be happy with with getting some podiums in in your first go uh,
0: absolutely Ryan i mean look uh let's face it you're down there with some stiff competition they t- you know this toyota series has always been such a fantastic place to to go get that off season time and potentially some super license points now. And, and there's a lot of competition for that. You know, when they announced super license points, I guarantee you there was probably some people that said, uh, maybe, maybe looked at it quite differently and said, I'm going to step up and do this.
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, big jump in the amount of super license points you get now that it's an official FIA uh, Formula Regional Series. So I think, uh, I think they announced it pretty late this year. Um, but I think next year it will it'll definitely influence more people to maybe come down and race.
0: Well, so what's, what's the experience been like? I mean, look, this is your first time traveling away from home for racing. Uh, what's it been like?
5: Yeah. Um, it's honestly been, been great. You know, New Zealand's a great country. Um, it helps that I, you know, know a few Kiwis from racing with Kiwi Motorsports in the USF 4 championship last year. Um, So I know some people down here, uh, so that's helped a lot. Um, but yeah, you know, the Kiwi people are super nice. Um, food's great. Um, cities are beautiful. Landscapes are beautiful. Um, and the racing and all the tracks so far have been amazing. Mm.
0: You know, I was thinking about you today because watching the Rolex 24 and thinking about your career and, you know, I know you've said from day one, you, you've F one is the goal. But you know how this, yeah. how literally the stars have to align, money has to fall from the sky, to get into Formula One. But I could easily see, you know, you you've done so well, Ryan, and you know, and and we've been watching Ryan for I don't know how many years now. I guess pretty closely now for three years, and you were just a, a yeah. kid. I remember the first time <laughs> you came on the show, you could barely conjugate a verb. But my my friend, but anyway, you're doing great. And I thought about the Rolex, and uh, and thought, you know, this is that could easily be someplace where you end up some someday soon actually
5: yeah it's definitely something um i want to do endurance racing just seems like a ton of fun um and yeah that that's definitely something i want to do um even you know even if i'm in f1 during the off season um i think kevin magnuson even yeah just did it so
0: he was a, he was going you know, to he didn't get to it shows do it. that it's yeah, he a, he, oh, okay. he broke it. I yeah. think he no, he had hand surgery. That's what it was. He had surgery like a, a okay. little chronic uh, issue with his hand, so he had some minor surgery.
5: Yeah, but it just shows that it's possible yeah. um to do it in F1 uh, you know, during the off season. So yeah, it's definitely something I want to do, um, even if I do make it to that top level.
0: Well, we just had Elio Kestraneves uh, on the show right before you, Ryan. So you got some good company in the show tonight.
5: yeah yeah for sure uh it's a good company um i mean if i can if i can get to his level then i think i'll be happy uh, with my
0: career i think you'd be (laughs) that's the biggest understatement hey so ryan uh we got about three minutes but i want to ask you about what's been the biggest surprise for you in the toyota racing series Uh,
5: honestly i think toyota's commitment to it. Um, Hmm. you know, they, you know, they invest a lot in a series, um, and it's nice to see, you know, a big manufacturer investing in, um, a feeder series, uh, you know, it's not, it's not formula one, it's not top level sports car racing. Um, so it's nice to see how much Toyota has really put into, um, kind of a second tier feeder series, um, that helps build young drivers, um, and not even just kiwi drivers, um, but yeah, international international stars. So I think that's been the the biggest surprise just seeing it you know in person, how many personnel they have, um, you know how nice they run things. Um, yeah, I think that's been the biggest surprise.
0: I think it's a correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if you've gotten to see any local television, and I think there's I think Jonathan told me there was just one television uh, or or, or maybe just uh it's it's big enough where they can it's there's not a huge number of networks but the point I'm trying to make stumbling around is that it is a big big deal in New Zealand
5: yeah um I think someone said it's on like channel three or something <laughs> um something like that uh, I think it's on I think it's on Sky um, yeah and I think it's on Fox Sports in Australia so some pretty major uh you know TV stations. Um and then obviously the live stream um to the rest of the world. So uh really great coverage. Um so yeah that's that's another thing that's been really nice to see is um that coverage yeah across the world.
0: Yeah. Well Ryan, we're just about out of time man. I just want to say I'm really proud of you. You've done a fantastic job and especially I'm I'm really happy for you that you had those podiums this week because that was a big deal after, you know, I know that, that the, it's just like any racing, there's going to be ups and downs or stuff that you can't control, but you've done a great job. And I know what else you're doing behind the scenes too, because I know you're doing all the things that it takes to be a great race driver, not just, you know, all the sim work and all the time on track, but everything else. I know you're doing a great job and I want to wish you the best of luck and, and we'll probably have you on at least once more before the end of this series. So, but thanks, man. We are out of time.
5: All right. Thank you, guys.
0: All right. Take it easy. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We had lots more topics we could discuss, so we're going to bump some of those to next Sunday night. And we will be back, uh, as usual, Sunday night, 7 o'clock Austin time. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in on, uh, on the radio, on YouTube, on Facebook and i want to thank elio castro that was fantastic and mr chris medland thanks for his time and of course we'll talk to you guys next sunday night